0: Welcome to the Girlish Bigger Podcast, where five friends who are beautiful, smart, sad, mad, and occasionally want to punch someone in the face. But we don't, because Jesus. Discuss various topics on friendship, motherhood, singleness, postpartum bodies, and much more. If you need any of the links we discuss, check out the show notes at girlishbigger.com. Now, let's start the conversation.
1: Welcome to the Girlish Vigor Podcast. You guys, we are so excited about our guest today, Katie Thompson. Katie, welcome. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. That's so great. Um. Okay, so Katie, for any of our listeners who may not know you, can you just kind of give a quick bio? What are you doing? What have you done? What are you planning to do? Just kind of give us whatever you want to share.
2: Yes. Um, I have done all kinds of different things, so get ready. This is going to sound like none of this goes together at all, but this has been my journey. So, and it's fine. Um, so, I went to college uh, at Bowling Green State University, and I still live in Bowling Green, Ohio. I love it here. Um, studied business and marketing, and honestly, I don't even really know why, except for the fact that. Someone mentioned something about marketing when I was in high school and I thought that sounded cool. And so I decided that was going to be my major, went for it, never changed my mind. And um, halfway into my college career, met my husband. Actually, I should say I met him long before that, but we started dating then. And... um, that was actually a whirlwind. We like dated for eight days, then got engaged, then got married (laughs) 10 months
1: later. I love that. I love that so
2: much. It was great. Um, Shocking. He called us parents and was like, Hey, I'm getting married. And they were like, to who? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But we're 15 years in and
0: it's been great. Katie, can you tell me more about that? When did you and your husband get
2: married? And do you guys have any kids? Um, got married when I was 20 and was still in college, and um, we still decided to start a family pretty quickly. So we had our first daughter, London, when I was 22, and um, I had just graduated from college at that point. So I like walked across the straight- stage at college graduation with this giant pregnant belly. Yes. And yeah, I was cool with it, although did kind of want to like flash my ring a little bit just so... <laughs> people didn't know. Like I was married, not that it really mattered, but, um, so yeah, first baby at 22, 18 months later had baby number two, we had our Lola. And, um, then just over 18 months after that had baby number three, we had Carter. And, um, then unfortunately we did have a miscarriage, um, a little while after that. And then we had our fourth, baby when I was 28, um, Caden. So we had two boys or two girls and then two boys. And throughout that time, um, kind of when I first started having my kids, I worked in corporate America for a while and was loving that and was seeing a lot of favor and success and just really enjoying all that I was doing there. But then also kind of really fell into just some struggle. It was hard to balance all that I was doing with all these little babies at home. And so it was actually when our second daughter was six months old that I decided to quit my job and stay at home. And um, so then I kind of just like dove into that. And um, we'll probably get into this a little more later. That was a struggle for me at first, but um, went full force into being a stay-at-home mom, and eventually, when my oldest was school age, started homeschooling and loved that, Um, really just had a great time with my kids, um, doing all kinds of field trips and learning with them, so that was a really fun experience, and um, that's something I would have never envisioned myself doing. In fact, I probably, um, all through high school and through college, would have thought homeschoolers are probably all weird, (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I realized that wasn't the case. You know, I met a lot of homeschooling families and I'm not weird. My Kids are not weird, <laughs> I don't think. Um, so we did that for a while. That was a lot of fun. And all throughout that time when I was at home with the kids and homeschooling, I feel like I always had my hands into something. In fact, um, I would go to Dave often with ideas and he would be like, oh, whatever, like, fine. I've just gotten used to you, like always doing something else. And he wasn't saying that to be rude. It was just kind of part of the dynamic that we had going on. And I just felt like I always like needed a little something extra going on. So that varied, but it was all kinds of things, whether it was like direct sales companies or helping out with his business. Um, I always just had some little side things happening and um, also like redecorated my house a ton. I think I like repainted the whole house way too many <laughs> times. Um Can you tell us more about that? Um, I want
0: to know more about your kids. I understand you and your husband are involved in fostering. Can you tell us more about that?
2: So when our youngest was three, we um, just really felt like we had been confronted with um, just the enormous need for foster homes and the incredible amounts of children that were flooding into the foster care system because of a lot of the drug epidemics and things like that. So we got licensed and became foster parents and we've had several kids in and out of our care over the past three years. Um, And we are actually in the process of adopting um, two children that came to us through foster care. So we are adding another girl and another boy to our family here hopefully, we're hoping by the end of September. So that's really exciting. So we will officially have three girls and three boys and the fun thing is that um, our adoptive daughter and son are the same ages as two of our bio kids. So it's almost like we have two sets of twins happening in our house, but um, just in a different way. And so um, just lots of mothering happening in my life through that season. Katie, I love that. Um,
0: so, fostering has been something that a few of us here have been considering um and even doing. So it's fun to hear other women's stories and hearts behind um their reason for fostering. Uh so okay, so I kinda wanna switch gears and talk a little bit about your business. When and why did you start Eden?
2: Two years ago, actually because it was in the winter, it was kind of like two and a half years ago. It was in January. And I remember I needed an outfit to go somewhere. I don't remember what event we were going to, but I only had time to kind of bop around Bowling Green. I didn't have time to go to a mall. And so I went to the only store that we had, which was TJ Maxx. And I love TJ Maxx for what it is, but I was frustrated with like rifling through all those racks. And I came home and told my husband, why do we not have any boutiques in this town? I should just start my own store. And he was like, "Okay, <laughs> whatever." And um, so I just like moved on with my night. But then I could not get that out of my mind. And so three days later, I went back to him and I said, "I really think this is a good idea. I actually think a store would be viable in this community." And his exact words were like, oh, crap. "He just." <laughs> He knew when I get my mind on something, it's no turning back. And um, he said he followed the oh crap with write the business plan, see if this could work. And so that was in January. And I did the really, really hard work of writing a super detailed business plan and really investigated all that it would take and all that it would entail and um, contacted different landlords in downtown Bowling Green to figure out if spaces were open and kind of just um, like let each step follow another. And um, then I felt like the idea was good. Um, It was being well received by other people in the community. So then it was like, well, how are we gonna finance this thing? And so I heard of a grant program, um, in Bowling Green called the revolving loan fund. And they basically want to attract businesses to the community. So they lend you 50% of your funds through an application process. Um, and so the application was like literally one of the most intense things I've ever had to do. It was so much paperwork, but I applied for this grant and we got approved. And so, um, that 50% was what we needed. We invested the rest through a lot of hard work and sweat equity, and um, I opened the doors to that first store in August of 2016, and um, a year later opened a second store in Sylvania, Ohio, in August of 2017. And so here we are, almost two years in. And um, Kitty, did you always want to do this? Has this always been a dream of yours? No, I just like thought of it one day. It had never occurred to me before that time. And it's just kind of amazing. So I feel like uh, there's no rhyme or reason to this pattern of my life. There's been all these different things. I have loved them all. And I am just really enjoying where I'm at right now. It's great. I
1: love that. Katie, I just am sitting here like amazed by how i just you could not embody the idea of girlish vigor any more perfectly i mean first of all you're an idea woman which is a courageous woman right like you in so many ways have responded to all of the things in your life with so much courage even the idea i mean i wrote down as you were talking i mean i was writing down a million notes because everything you say feels like gold to me but um you mentioned that when you were working in corporate America, you saw favor there and you still laid it down for your family. That screams girlish vigor to me. And then, and then the idea of you, <laughs> I mean, being an idea woman, you think a big picture, but then your husband says, write a business plan. And that's detail work. <laughs> that's like nitty gritty, like my worst nightmare. But you did it. Oh, yeah. Um, so I just, I mean, I would love for you to talk a, a little bit more about everything. But to start us off, talk a little bit about what that transition looked like when you were seeing favor in the workplace, and then you decided to lay it down to be a mom. Because I know that, and then the great thing is you picked up work again, right? I mean, I think so many of our listeners are going to feel this tension between uh, being, uh, being, uh, sorry, motherhood. And then also having dreams and ideas and wanting to work, I think that tension is so real for so many of us. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about your experience with that transition and and just really any insight you might have into those seasons of our lives as women.
2: Yeah, I think um, that's it, it's such a great point to kind of hone in on because honestly, that was probably one of the hardest seasons of my life, and. Um, I felt like I came out of college with all this ambition and, you know, you feel like you can conquer the world. And I was working in this huge corporation and, um, just, I, I loved it. And, um, I did something really simple within my job. I I didn't know it was so effective at the time because it was just part of who I was, but every day I would go to the, um, the partner who I had to report to at the end of the day. And I would say, I finished everything I need to do. Is there anything else I need to do for you today before I leave? And he said to me later, you have no idea how valuable that is. Everybody wants to duck their head and run out of this place the minute it's time to go. But you walk in here and see if there's anything else you can do before you leave. And so I think that was one of the biggest reasons that I was experiencing some success there. And lots of responsibilities were being passed to me that, um, you know, hadn't been passed to people of my age before. And I don't say that in a prideful way, I just was willing to work, you know, I was willing to like, be there and actually be busy in the time that I was there. And so um, I think that just maybe helped set me apart a little bit. And because of that was able to meet, um, the job I worked in was actually the entrepreneur of the year program, ironically. And so I got to meet all of these incredible entrepreneurs from all over Northwest Ohio. And I got to edit their interviews that were being, um, prepared to be displayed to everybody and hear their stories and, um, network with them. And so it was just, it was a dream job. And, um, to leave that felt like I was leaving maybe even like an opportunity for fame and Mm. not that I really even wanted fame or craved fame, but it felt good at the moment. So it was kind of filling this thing in me that I didn't even really know that I wanted. And, um, I, I didn't even prepare to say this, but now that I'm like here thinking about it, it was fulfilling something that I it was kind of like feeding a monster really. And so to take that away and decide to stay at home and be at home with babies who were like puking all over me. And my, my second child was extremely colicky. It just felt like a nightmare. And so every day Dave would walk in the door and I would resent him. And, um, I felt angry that he got to be out doing the thing that he loved all day. And that, although I loved my children, like I, I, wholeheartedly loved them and wanted to care for them, I also felt like I threw a whole piece of myself away. And so I did a lot of just reading and praying and kind of just that hard work of like wrestling in your soul. And I feel like that uncovered um, a lot of things that I was craving that were unhealthy, kind of that, that fame and that pride and i really felt like god spoke to me and i finally believed probably for the first time that i was significant apart from anything that i was producing in my life huh. that i was enough just because of like of who i am just because i exist that i'm enough and so I didn't have to prove myself by accomplishing anything. I didn't have to have some title behind my name. Because um, for those first, like, probably the first probably year and a half that I was home, when people would ask me what I did, I would say, well, I'm at home with my kids now, but I think I'm going to go back and get my PhD when all the kids are in school. And I'm going to, like, I always had to say I was going to do something that sounded like it was better to me than being at home with my kids at that moment. And finally, I really feel like all of that got worked out of me. And by a couple years into being a stay at home mom, I really felt confident in that. I felt at peace about that. I felt like I have dignity and value and worth just because of who I am. And I love that. Yes. And, um, and I needed that. And I needed that to be able to do any of this other stuff that I've done. So I am like extremely grateful for that time. And then the rest of that time at home was filled with such joy. I mean, I always stayed busy doing other things, but I mean, I was committed and invested to being at home and that felt right for the stage of our family at that time. I mean, the reality is I could have never made enough money to keep all those kids in daycare. (laughs) It was like, Oh, we had too many kids too close together and that would have cost a fortune. So it just, I mean, it just made sense for me to be at home. And I really began to just enjoy it. And, um, and so I don't know if that fully answers your question, but, um, I really just had to get to the point of being okay with who I was mm. apart from my achievements.
3: Yeah. Katie, I wish you could see me over here. I'm literally like raising my hands, like preach <laughs> the word girlfriend, because you're you, you speaking to me right now. Like I can't, I mean, I feel like we've all experienced this in some way, but for, you know, especially if you can relate to me at all, um, which it sounds like you can, And if like learning and growing and educating yourself and getting out there and challenging yourself is really important to you, you just like, you know, for some seasons cannot relate to those women who are like,
0: I love being a stay-at-home mom. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love
3: my kids and it's the best thing ever. And I just want to punch them all in the face. And so to hear you say that, and like, I feel like I can just really relate to you. It's, it's bringing a, a really fresh perspective to me because, I know, I know that you know you didn't do this initially because it sounded awesome to you.
2: Absolutely, I did it because it was the right thing for my family at the time, with all the other factors that were going on in our family, and um, it was it was a true sacrifice for me. It wasn't like a um, this is my heart's desire, and I, I would say it evolved into that. It certainly did, and I am mm. so so grateful for the for the time that I did have at home with them. Um, But it didn't always feel that way in the moment.
1: Yes. Um, I love what you said. I just want to go back to this real quick about just the idea that you are the businesswoman you are today because you found your worth not being a businesswoman.
2: Yes. Uh, That honestly, everything hinges on that because I can take risks today because I'm really not afraid of failing. Mm. It doesn't matter. So like, what if my business fails and I have to close these doors and I have to tell all of you, well, it didn't work. That really does not change anything about me. Like I'm, I'm secure in who I am. And, um, those lessons were learned hard, early on. And so now I feel like when, when people might say, Oh, you're so brave or something, I think I'm, I'm really not brave. I'm just not, um, I'm just not afraid of failure anymore. You know what I mean? I, I, none of that matters in the long run.
1: Yep. Um, I don't know if anybody else wants to jump in with any thoughts or questions, but I, I do have a question about just one thing you said real quick, because I think a lot lot of us might feel this, whether we are staying at home or we work part-time or something. Can you talk a little bit about the resentment you felt towards your husband when he would come home being very productive? How how did you work through that? How did you invite him into what you were feeling? I mean, I I don't want to... I don't know if anybody else has any other questions before we go there, but... But I'm curious about that.
2: Okay, so this is hard stuff. Um, I felt like sometimes, okay, I should say this first. Like, I love my husband, he is amazing, and he is like a really strong, dominant personality. We both are. So he often says to me, it's a good thing you married a strong man. Cause if you married someone that was weak, you would have run them over. And <laughs> I'm like, yes, that is true. But with that said, we're both pretty like aggressive in our opinions and we don't hesitate to share those. So we have a lot of really healthy, like fights, I would say. And that's not like yelling and throwing things. I just mean, I'm not afraid to come to him with how I'm feeling. So there were times early on when he would get home and I would have been home with the kids all day. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I am leaving. I'm going to the store. And he's like, which kids are going with you? And I'd say, none of them. Nobody is coming with me. I am going by myself. And, um, you know, he would just kind of look at me like, okay. All right. See you later. So just some of those where I had to also be, um, Firm and like forthcoming about what my needs are. Like, I, you can't walk around being all frustrated and never say what you need. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I feel like that really helped us and helped me kind of. That didn't sound very inviting. That sounded like I was telling him what to do. (laughs) So that you're like, how did you invite him in? Oh, I just told him. Um, (laughs) But But yeah, I mean, in all reality, I think there just has to be a lot of honesty. And he also learned to really respect um, my friendships. Yes. Kitty. what were your friendships like during that time of your life? Um, My friendships are extremely important to me now. But I would say, especially in those times that I was home all day with the kids, my friendships were like golden to me. And so I would... um, go and meet friends for coffee at nine o'clock at night. And we'd stay out till 11 and I was totally exhausted, but I needed that. Like I needed that, um, just that additional interaction with women. And, um, at first he would kind of be like, well, how long are you going to be gone? And this and that. And just, I, I guess it would have been easier for me in those times to give up and say, this is just too hard. I'm just going to stay home because then I don't feel guilty. But instead of doing that and like, I need this, I need to go. And eventually then he also realized like she is, she does better when she has this. So then it turned from, Mm -hmm. well, how long are you going to be to go have fun? I got the kids, you know, stay out as long as you need. And so I feel like that was kind of an evolution for us where I had to keep maintaining what was healthy for me, obviously with respecting him all along the way. Like, I'm not saying that to say that I never heard him or like accommodated what he was needing as well. But, um, I also had to like fight for what I needed. Cause that did and, not, sorry to
0: interrupt, Katie, but like that did not come naturally yeah. to him because he does, he has such different needs.
2: Totally. He, um, The crazy thing about Dave is he loves people. Like he's the one that will stop and talk to everybody when he's out. But when he gets home, he wants to stay home. He's like done for the night. He's tired. And he would walk in the door and be ready to chill. And I'd be like, okay, what are we doing? What are we gonna go do? Who can we go see? And he's like, I'm whooped. I just want to stay here. And so we were constantly like walking that balance between him sacrificing some me sacrificing some. And we had to meet in the middle a lot. And it was hard. It wasn't without its conversations and its frustrations. But um, it's worth having those conversations. And I feel like I talked to some young moms who are like, it's just easier, it's just easier for me to stay at home. It's just easier for me to not go do those things with my friends because I'm tired. And then my husband has to do bedtime all by himself. And I'm like, but he also helped create those kids and it's okay. He can do that bedtime thing. He and can so, survive
0: it. He can survive that yeah.
2: time alone. <laughs> yes. And so I, I think that's a big encouragement from me to moms who are with young kids and in the trenches. You you don't have to totally lose yourself in the midst of motherhood and mm-hmm. it's worth fighting yeah. for in a healthy way. I love that so much.
1: I love the idea that the more openly you communicated it wasn't just him you know sacrificing and doing bedtime so that you could go do your thing it was actually him igno- like realizing that when my wife is able to do these things it's better for the whole team like she can come back rested and rejuvenated and yes. love our people well the next morning which then means that i'm not coming home to a completely depleted situation like it's just this ongoing river that's flowing into each other. And, and it's, it benefits everyone when there's this open communication of expressing what we need. And I love that. Yes, absolutely. Is
2: Dave a business owner also? He is. Um, he is a contractor. So he started his business right out of high school. And, um, so he's been doing this like 20 years now and that that's definitely a balancing act. Um, So we, I mean, he's always been self-employed. And obviously now with both of us being self-employed, um, it's a lot to juggle, but we figure it out somehow.
0: What was it like going back to work and having that role shift where you were more of the caretaker of the kids and then all of a sudden you're at work and so you're splitting everything?
2: Yes. Um, I will give you the exact words, um, So when we're talking about opening the store and I wrote the business plan and kind of figured out like maybe how much I would need to work and all that kind of stuff, I remember sitting down with Dave and he's looking at me and he says, this means I'm going to have to like do more around here. And he wasn't saying that like, oh, yeah, so I get to do more. I mean, it was a legitimate like, okay, if you do this, that means you can't do X, Y, Z and you've been doing X, Y, Z. I was home for nine years. So it's like for nine years, he would come home and dinner would be done and all the laundry was taken care of. And, you know, I was, I was home all day. So I had time to do that and he never had to think about it. And I did all the like running of all the kids. And, um, so we hashed that out hardcore on the front end. And those were some hard conversations because we had to have the hard conversation of is this worth the sacrifice for our family? Do I really want, on his part, do I want to do this extra work? And he had to sort through that in his own life. Like, am I going to support my wife in this and not just support her? Like, yeah, okay, go for it. But I mean, really, like, I am behind you. And by being behind you, that means I'm. I have a different set of responsibilities now than what I had before. And I feel like it was really helpful to have some of those hard conversations. And some of them were kind of painful because there was some of those where he was being honest with me and I felt like, why wouldn't you want to do this for me? You know what I mean? Um, And he's like, I'm just being honest. Like I have to be honest about the fact that I haven't had to make dinner for everyone in nine years. So that's going to be different for me. And um, allowing each other to be honest with those feelings and for me not to jump down his throat um, with his honest feelings and for him not to jump down mine, but to be able to work through those together. And so because we were able to do that, when we opened those doors to Eden, he has been behind me 100%. I mean, I cannot say enough about him and his enthusiasm for like being engaged with our kids. And I mean, no joke. There's been times I've been in my store and I have left something in my car and I cannot leave my store because I'm the only one in here. And I will call him and say, do you happen to be driving through Bowling Green? Can you stop out in my parking lot and bring me that thing in my trunk? And he will pull up, stop in the parking lot, bring me the thing in my trunk, sacrificially without being like, I did not have time for that today. You know what I mean? He loves me and serves me well. And um, I feel like we've had to grow into doing that for each other. There's also times when I'm up taking a kid to a doctor's appointment and he calls and says, I have tile on hold at the tile shop. Can you please just get that for me while you're out? And it's like the last thing in the world that I want to do. But of course, I'm going to go do it because we sacrifice for each other. Mm-hmm. And so um I feel like that's what that has looked like for us. It's allowing each other to say the hard things without getting angry or defensive. I mean, there's a little bit that comes out with it of course, but to to be able to be safe enough with each other to say the hard things and keep talking till you reach an agreement.
1: So good. Man. Mm. Having so a counseling
3: good. boner yes. over here.
1: <laughs> Katie, uh, Sarah is a is a is a counselor. So that's what that's meant by that. I have never heard those words put together before welcome to girlish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, it's amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, Katie, okay, so to wrap us up, if you were to mine for the the girlish vigor gold in your own life, where have you seen it? Okay.
2: I feel like when I ever, like if I ever get an opportunity to encourage women, this is what comes out. And I feel like this is what has um, made me who I am. I mean, for one thing, I have three core values. Our whole family does. Love God, love people, do hard things. And I don't want to minimize those first two because those everything flows out of those. But I feel like the what people see comes from number three, which is the do hard things. And I do not feel like there is a shortage of ideas in this world. There is not a shortage of creativity. There's not only a select few that have ideas. I feel like if every woman really sat back and looked at her life and just paid attention to her thoughts throughout the day, you would realize that you probably have a ton of ideas. Where they get lost is in the failure to pursue the ideas, the failure to investigate the ideas. It would have been super easy for all of you girls to say, oh, wouldn't it be fun to start a podcast? Mm-hmm. And then it would end there. But someone had to do the hard work of, what are we going to call it? Who's going to write a script? What software are we going to use? Who's going to edit? Like, So I feel like our purpose as women, as individuals, looks a lot like hard work. And so my like biggest encouragement to women is, isn't the slightest twinge of an idea or the slightest twinge of a possibility in your life worth investigating? Because that's where things have happened for me. I'm not extra special. I'm not extra smart. I'm really not extra anything. I'm just a normal girl raising a normal family and these ideas come to me and I think like, I've I've just got to check it out. I've got to start walking down this road until I feel like I shouldn't anymore. And there's been things I've started to investigate and then it feels like, no, that's not the right thing anymore. Whether it's because of financial reasons or fit with our family, you know, there's things that you investigate and then realize that's not the right thing. But what about all the things that you investigate and actually work out? Like, isn't that worth it? And so... I just think, don't we owe it to ourselves to see what will happen? We were created to create. So let's just see. Let's do the hard work. Um, I love to tell people that I want to live a spent up life and not in a way that I'm saying like, oh, sacrifice yourself to your like unhealthy and you know minimize self-care. I'm not saying any of that. I believe in all of that. But I want to walk through each day knowing that I spent myself loving people and doing the hard things. I mean, I could sit around and watch Netflix, but like, what good is that going to do? So I'd rather develop the new idea, write the next business plan, love my kids well. Like, I want to spend up my life doing the things that add value. And so I I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like that's what's been the girlish vigor in my life is just investigating and doing. Yeah.
0: I just love that so much because of the way that our culture values comfort. Like the things in my life that I feel like are even a little bit difficult. People are like, well, do you think you should be doing them? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. Thanks for asking. (laughs) I just, I, I just love that. I love, love, love it.
1: So good. Um, Katie, I have goosebumps all over my body. (laughs) thank Thank you for providing me with those. Um, no, listen, I, yeah, totally. I, I love what you said about even the ideas that we have and we just don't listen to them. I mean, even the women who might, who may, be, the women men who may be listening, and and they don't really see themselves as idea people or big dreamers. But your encouragement for them is, you have significant and valuable ideas. You just haven't walked down those roads yet. Um,
2: yes, and I don't want people to get the idea that it always has to be entrepreneurial in nature. Like there's those of you who are incredible accountants and you might be in your job and have some idea for a new way to process data that is going to make a huge difference for your company. Like there's creativity in all kinds of things. And even for those who love mothering above all else, like there are some women who I feel like are so gifted as mothers, it just blows my mind. And you get ideas and creativity at home and do things with your children that I would never think of in a million years. Leslie. And then you put those on Pinterest and I can copy them. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that creativity seeps its way into all all types of things. It's not just whether you create a business or a podcast or mm-hmm. write a book or something. It's, it's all kinds of things.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for speaking to that by the way, because sometimes I think, um, we get caught up in this, in order to be this creative and, um, a vigorous woman, we have to be entrepreneurial. We have to start a business. We have to, you know, uh, go back to school, get our, you know, just things that are just extroverted and out there. And, and it does not have to be that way. And there are so many different ways to put creativity, um, into the world. And so, yeah, thank you for speaking to that.
1: Yeah, thank Katie. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom, and there's just so much gold. I just, I literally have three pages of notes just all over. I'm so thankful. This seriously was like the highlight of
2: my day, and not only my day, but all of last week. Like, just anticipating this, and um, I am so impressed with what you guys are doing and the messages that you are putting out there, um, kind of the movement that you're creating this, the world needs this. And, um, we, as women need this as a culture, we need this. And so thank you guys for what you're doing.
1: Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Thanks Katie. So sweet.
2: Guys, thanks for
0: listening. You can check us out at girlish vigor podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd really love to hear from you. We'd love to hear the girlish vigor that you are seeing in yourself or others or the girlish vigor that you'd love to grow in. Thanks. I can be